Bally's temporary Chicago casino at Medina Temple clears a major step from the Illinois Gaming Board. But on Chicago's path to a casino, a major stumbling block emerges. And though consumers may be starting to see egg prices come down, high earlier prices and early stages of the pandemic have fueled a boom of raising backyard chickens, even in the city. I'll talk about it with Cranes reporter Corley J. You saw the boom in 2020 because people were stuck in the house. You know, they probably had aspirations of taking this up as a hobby, but they were really able to do it after the layoffs or staying at home because of uh, the pandemic. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Tuesday, February 14th. Your business isn't an afterthought, so why would you settle for a bank that treats you like one? At Wintrust, small business clients are matched with a personal relationship manager who offers customized solutions and prioritizes their needs. And that personal touch works. Last year, Wintrust lent the most to Illinois small businesses through SBA loans, making them the number one SBA lender in the state. Start expecting more from your bank. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash SBA lending. Banking products provided by Wintrust Financial Corporation Banks. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Supply chain issues, high feed costs, and an outbreak of avian flu have all been linked to the soaring price of eggs. And as those prices have increased, the business of backyard chicken farming has gained ground. I'm joined by Cranes reporter Corley J to talk all about it. Corley, I don't think we've ever talked about chickens specifically here on this podcast. I definitely have never said the phrase backyard chicken farming. Talk to me about chickens. Tell me about this. Yeah, for sure. So as you mentioned, it's a lot of things that like impacted the high cost of eggs. So the last data from the BLA showed the average price of eggs to be around four twenty five, dollars And in the Midwest region, it's $5. And you know, that's higher in Chicago. Yeah. And so this kind of led to a trend in backyard chicken raising, uh, especially in urban farming. So in urban areas like Chicago, people are raising chickens in their backyard so that they can beat the prices of eggs. You noted that that uh, egg prices were about 60% uh, higher compared with about a year ago. Yes, yes. And what's interesting, though, is that they're actually starting to decline now. Okay. I also noted in my story that they have seen the lowest decrease since August 2022. But although this uh, decrease is happening, people are still flocking to this trend. Uh, no pun intended. I was going to say flocking. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, my sources that track the supply and rent the chicken, they also uh, see the trend still kind of holding steady or even increasing although prices are seeing a decline. Okay, you just said like four things I have to follow up on. First of all, did you say rent the chicken? Rent the chicken, yes. So this is a Pennsylvania-based company who rents out chickens uh, nationwide and also in the Chicago area. Their prices are, I don't know if you would call them generous, but I would. You get like two hens starting from $9.95 to about $1,400. And they say like two hens produce a dozen eggs a week. So that's a lot of eggs in my house. So I don't know about yours. That's a generous price. And I talked to the um, retail chain Tractor Supply and they sell their chickens. You get 10 chickens. So, but you have to buy them as chicks there. Okay. So you had to raise the chicken at that point. But you get to keep, keep them. So we rent the chicken. It depends on the region, but Chicago, you get them around the springtime and then they pick them up in the fall. 
and you're able to get the uh, fully grown hens and get the chickens. And they also supply the feed and everything that the chickens need, you know, to survive. Did you ever think at, at any point you're like, uh, when I enter journalism, I'm going to be reporting on people raising chickens? Did you ever imagine that? No, no, no. But it's really interesting. Uh, I learned a lot. Chapter Supply said they have seen an increase in this trend since even before the pandemic, so around 2018, 2019. And Seth Estep, who is a manager with Track Supply, he said that you saw the boom in 2020 because people were stuck in the house. You know, they probably had aspirations of taking this up as a hobby, but they were really able to do it after the layoffs or staying at home because of uh, the pandemic. And that was really interesting to me because I didn't think that people had these aspirations to be backyard chicken farmers. <laughs> right. Are there legal considerations? Can anybody with a backyard in Chicago put chickens in there? I did talk to one source who did not make it into the story who does backyard farming. And I think that he said it's a limit on how many chickens you have. It's based on square footage. So okay. Uh, so he lives in the Chicago area. What he did mention is that these people who are doing it, he doesn't think that it's sustainable to do this when it comes to combating the high egg prices because you only get so many eggs out of chickens. And he also said that you can't sell them. Okay. That was one thing that I did learn. So you can have them. The eggs just have to be for you. Yeah, you can give them away for free. Who knew? I, I would not have guessed that you could have chickens in the city. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a cousin, actually. He, he doesn't live in the city. He lives in Indiana. But he does have chickens, and he will give them away to his family. That's so fascinating to me. So Tractor Supply and Rent the Chicken, the, the places that you talk to, did their prices go up too? If the price of eggs are going up, then it stands to reason maybe the price of chickens also? Right. So no, they actually said their prices were not impacted Seth is with Tractor Supply and Jen is with Winter Chickens. They both said that they weren't impacted because they cited biosecurity has to do with how they uh, maintain their chickens and keep them kind of safe. So what was interesting is that Seth said their hatcheries were certified by the National Poultry Improvement Plan. And what I found out is this, this is a voluntary state and federal program. Not sure why it's not mandatory. But them being smaller operations, they have less traffic and less exposure to the bird flu and wild birds that kind of cause these outbreaks. And so that's why they weren't impacted. They have less people going in and out and don't have to deal with the wild bird kind of thing compared to the commercial and big operations. They weren't impacted. And when the uh, birds are impacted by the bird flu, it's not just the ones that have the flu that are impacted. They have to kill the other ones because they been exposed. So if you if you have a, an outbreak on your farm, even if you have thousands and thousands of chickens, they've all got to be destroyed. Exactly. Since early last year, more than 49 million birds in 46 states have either died or been killed after exposure, according to the CDC. So that's pretty significant. But it, you do raise a good question. Why, why that uh, extra layer of security isn't mandatory? I'm sure it's not as cost effective as having like thousands of birds, but it seems like it would really mitigate such outbreaks like this that, that have such far-reaching consequences to the food supply. Yeah, and that's probably something that I'm going to follow up on uh, myself, even if it doesn't result in the story, because I'm really interested in why they don't make that uh, a requirement. Yeah. But it's something that these smaller operations are, are really taken serious, which I'm pretty sure that a lot of consumers appreciate that want to buy these chickens, you know? Yeah, definitely. So when it all shakes out, is backyard 
chicken raising more about the fun of it or is it really more cost effective than going to the grocery store for eggs? It's really about the fun of it. That's what I uh, got from my reporting, even though uh, one source said that it's situational. So if you have the time to do it, then obviously it's going to be more cost effective. But if you don't, then it can end up costing you thousands of dollars. You have to feed the chickens. You got to make sure that they're warm because they're going to be with you year round, which why, which is why operations like Rent the Chicken are kind of beneficial because you don't have to deal with this cost year round. So you have the cost of feed and uh, raising the chickens and they have to be watered properly. So all of that goes into it. But at the end of the day, it does depend on your lifestyle. If you do have time, it's going to be more cost effective. But if you don't, then it's going to end up costing you a pretty penny. Yeah. I just have this vision of like walking through an alley where you can see in everyone's backyard, just like every neighborhood in the city is like that, right? And just seeing chickens everywhere all over the city. That seems so funny to me. So I did get a source after the story was published uh, about this urban farm near my home in West Pullman that has chickens. And I wish that I could have interviewed them for the story, but I just got it like today. Yeah. And I am going to check them out. I don't know if they are out there now, if they're going to wait to the spring, but I'm definitely going to drive past and see what I see because I am interested in seeing some chickens in my neighborhood. Well, who who wouldn't be? As long as it's just hens. I think once the roosters start, that's when you have the problem because they'll be like waking us up at dawn, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So you mentioned that egg prices are starting to come down. Do you have the sense that that people are going to kind of wrap it up with the chickens or or did your um, your supply sources have the sense that maybe people are kind of into chickens now and maybe they'll continue? Seth with Tractor Supply said that uh, it was like a rural migration. So with that being what it is, I don't see the trend kind of falling. Like people seem to like this. Like you said, it's been going up before the pandemic. The pandemic just increased it. So I don't see it kind of falling with the decrease of egg prices. Maybe uh, urban farming a little bit, but overall, I feel like it'll it'll keep going strong. There was a quote in the story uh, from one of the people that you interviewed that I thought was interesting about how people are kind of seeing this as a a window into having more control over their food sources, which I think is an interesting way to explain kind of that trend a little bit. Yeah, very interesting. Um, My husband actually picked up gardening last year, and he's going to expand the garden this spring. It's something that we wanted to do just to create a more healthy lifestyle, like they said, right? Sure. And I've just seen a lot of people who've been complaining about the price of, of, of groceries and just wanted to, wanting to know more about what's in their diet. So that's definitely uh, going into this uptick as well. And we've also considered chickens. Interesting. I'm not sure. If you get chickens, I feel like we got to make a video for cranes. We have like this reporting takes a whole new level. And right. there's a there's a beat, right? The chicken reporter, because you're raising the chickens. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I was talking to uh, the tractor supply people. They were was like, oh, my God, yes, you should do it. It's just so great and so many benefits. But I'm like, oh, I'm still considering that. See, I feel like I would get kind of attached to the chicken. I don't know if I could rent a chicken because I would I would like name them and be attached to the chickens. Yeah, that's what they say people do and it's like really sad when they die and everything yeah Yeah. poor chickens well it's an interesting time to be a chicken I suppose well (laughs) they're uh they're having like an urban migration the chickens are are coming to the city how interesting all right well thanks so much Corley I appreciate you taking the time to talk this through today yeah thanks for having me Amy coming up Illinois craft brewers want to send beer straight to your house we'll talk about that and more right after this
This coming February, Crane's Chicago business relaunches its executive education program in leadership development, custom designed to hone the leadership skills of executives across the Chicagoland area. We're pleased to bring you new programming from Crane's Leadership Academy designed and taught by renowned faculty from Chicago Booth School of Business. The program will benefit mid and senior level executives from the Chicagoland area across various sectors and industries who seek to heighten their leadership skills for success during these uncertain times. Sessions will be held at the Gleacher Center in downtown Chicago from February 24th through March 24th, 2023, every Friday from 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. A certificate of completion from Chicago Booth and Cranes will be provided. For questions about the program, visit cranesacademy.com or email cranesacademy at crane.com. This is the Cranes Daily Gist with Amy Guth. The Illinois Gaming Board has okayed another step toward Chicago getting its first casino. The Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Tribune reported that regulators approved licenses to run a temporary casino operation at Medina Temple in River North. The board issued initial supplier licenses for two entities that control and would lease Medina Temple to Bally's for its temporary casino. State records indicate both of the entities, Medina Building LLC and Medina Holdings LLC, are units of developer Al Friedman's Friedman Properties. Bally's hopes to have the near Northside location up and running this summer, and Mayor Lori Lightfoot hopes to start collecting tax revenues as soon as possible to help pay off city pension debt. The temporary casino site comes ahead of Bally's permanent $1.7 billion River West complex that could open in 2026 pending more approvals from the state gaming board. Bally's passed the last of its city regulatory hurdles in December when the city council approved zoning changes permitting the casino and entertainment district to be built. But while all that's happening, the gambling giant is also contending with what may be an even trickier hurdle, a hard-charging hedge fund that's said to be digging in its heels on a deal to vacate the site. Crane's Danny Ecker reported that's still at issue and becoming a larger problem, multiple sources told Crane's is a negotiation between Bally's and Alden Global Capital, the New York-based parent company of the Chicago Tribune that recently extended its lease for 10 years at the Tribune's Freedom Center printing plant. A Bally's venture paid $200 million late last year for the massive printing facility and the 30-acre riverfront site on which it sits, with a plan to redevelop the property into the million-square-foot casino and hotel complex. But as Ecker noted in his reporting, that project hinges on Bally's buying out Alden's lease and helping the company find a replacement facility elsewhere, giving Alden substantial negotiating leverage. Ecker also noted that sources familiar with the negotiations said commercial real estate brokerage Colliers International is helping line up potential new sites, but that Bally's and Alden remain far from an agreement on the financial terms that would compel Alden to relocate. And a standoff could throw a major roadblock into Bally's casino plan, as well as Mayor Lightfoot's vision for the gambling complex to eventually deliver hundreds of millions of dollars in new annual tax revenue to help plug the city's underfunded pension gap. Alden's ability to hold out and potentially delay the casino project also raises questions about whether city officials underestimated the obstacles on the Freedom Center site when it selected the Bally's proposal last year from a handful of bidders. Ecker noted that critics of that selection, including downtown aldermen, have said the decision lacked proper input from the city council, and even alleged that Bally's had received preferential treatment in the bidding process from the Lightfoot administration. 
The Freedom Center building currently houses the Chicago Tribune's newsroom as well as its printing operations, which print the Chicago Tribune, the Chicago Sun-Times, the Chicago Reader, the New York Times, and other publications. Ecker noted that Alden has gained notoriety in recent years for acquiring newspapers and cutting large portions of their staff, part of a larger strategy to boost their bottom lines but sacrifice much of their journalistic expertise. He further noted that the firm is often dubbed by observers as a so-called vulture hedge fund that buys companies to generate profits for their investors rather than build up the companies as sustainable businesses. According to reporting from Reuters, Ford Motors slashed its stake in Rivian down to 1.15 percent, the latest in a line of struggles for the electric vehicle maker that operates a factory in downstate Normal. On February 1st, Rivian announced that it was cutting back its workforce by 6 percent, which followed cuts made last year and the departure of several high-ranking executives within the company. At the end of 2021, Ford had an 11.4 percent stake in Rivian, but started selling shares last May after a dip in Rivian's stock prices hit Ford's first quarter 2022 earnings. Rivian fell just short of its 2022 production goals, rolling out 24,337 vehicles instead of its targeted 25,000 vehicles. In June, Bloomberg reported that Rivian had lost 90 percent of its equity value from its November 2021 peak. Crane's John Pletz reported that Lanzatech Global, a Skokie-based company that commercialized a novel process for turning pollution into energy, got a lukewarm reception from investors on its first day of trading. The company's stock dropped 26 percent to close at 7.30, after opening at 7.99. Pletz noted in reporting the odds, calling it remarkable that the company got this far with a stock market that's been in decline for a year and has been especially harsh for tech companies. Worse yet, Pletz notes, Lanzatech was a SPAC, or Special Purpose Acquisition Company, such blank check companies in which investors give money to a management team without knowing exactly what type of business they'll eventually buy, were all the rage in 2021 but fell out of favor last year just as Lanzatech announced its deal. Lanzatech's breakthrough, which came from researchers in New Zealand, uses bacteria to turn carbon monoxide gases, like pollution from steel mills, into ethanol, which can be turned into everything from fuel to plastics to perfume. Along the way, the company spun off a unit focused on sustainable jet fuel that attracted investment from Bill Gates. But the company raised $240 million by going public, which will get it to break-even status next year. The Illinois Craft Brewers Guild filed a bill with a state legislature that would allow craft breweries to ship beer directly to consumers. The executive director of the trade organization told Crane's Ali Marotti that allowing brewers in the state to sell beer online and ship to customers' homes would serve as a lifeline to the craft beer industry, which continues to face economic fallout from the pandemic. Marotti noted that it would also bring the industry up to speed in a world where people are accustomed to buying almost everything with simply a click. Marathi reported that the craft beer industry suffered from pandemic closures and the habit changes that came as a result. Since COVID-19 hit in March of 2020, 37 craft breweries in Illinois have closed, and the trade organization's executive director said those closures are not slowing down. Marathi also noted in reporting that the problem started when the closure of tap rooms and restaurants cut off brewers' main revenue stream for months. 
Smaller breweries did not have the distribution networks to maintain their sales as consumers started buying all their beer in grocery or convenience stores, and most states prohibit online beer sales. Plus, canning is more expensive than selling on draft. And as Marathi also noted, consumers have not fully returned to tap rooms, where roughly 70% of craft beer revenue is generated. The Brewers Guild said most breweries in the state report tap room sales are only about 70 to 80% of pre-pandemic levels. The bill, which has been introduced in the Illinois Senate and is expected to be introduced to the Illinois House of Representatives in the coming days, marks the Guild's second attempt in as many years to try to codify direct-to-consumer beer shipping into law. And the newest bill puts a cap on how much beer a consumer can order online per year. In this case, 12 cases, which contain 24 beers each. The Craft Brewer Guild's executive director said he thinks that cap makes the bill more likely to pass though he said he does expect pushback from distributors. That's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, Crane's reporter, Corley J. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.